you so much for joining me for episode four of the Shorsha Speaks With podcast. I hope everyone is well. And this week, I am joined by Laura and Martin from the Null Point podcast. Now, listeners to the Adventure Games podcast know uh, Laura is, well, being a good friend of mine, she is a co-host of the Adventure Games podcast. But this week, we speak about Eurovision and their Eurovision podcast. So they spoke about what the Eurovision is, the history of it, why they enjoy it so much, what new traditions have developed over time, and uh, they also talk about the movie, the Eurovision starring Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, and we uh, speculate about what the American Eurovision could look like. So without further ado, please enjoy. I am delighted to be joined by Laura Cress and Martin William from the Nulpois podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about Eurovision today, and uh, we're going to talk about your podcast, which is all about the Eurovision. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, first of all, how are you guys doing? We're all, all right, right, thank you very much. We're holding on in there with the old lockdowns <laughs> and things like that. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> yes, we, we are recording this in mid-December. You know, I don't believe we've had two lockdowns. It's the unwanted sequel. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know if we're <laughs> don't know if we're going to have the equally unwanted trilogy that, <laughs> that we, <laughs> by January. Hopefully not, or or sooner. But anyway, we're we're all doing well. At least we're we're safe. Um, so and it's good to meet you guys. It's good to meet you, Martin, for the first time. I've heard your voice, as I said on the podcast. So it's it's good to put a face to the voice and to actually hear your voice directly oh well and likewise with you yeah it's it's this weird connection that we have through laura where eurovision <laughs> and gaming meets in this weird weird world yes, right I, I know i've yeah. got some odd interests <laughs> <laughs> yeah to, to, this is kind of joining laura's two probably biggest interests is that fair to say eurovision and adventure games or yes. gaming in general that's that's <laughs> my two interests <laughs> Two main interests, yeah. two of your interests. You have, I'm sure you've other interests. No, no. Um, no. <laughs> That's it. That's well, it. Well, any, any fans of the Adventure Games podcast, well, fans, any listeners to the Adventure Games we podcast. We have fans, sure, sure. Yeah, we have fans. People, yes, <laughs> I'm sure, might know Laura from the podcast, or people listening from the Nilpois podcast might know both Laura and Martin. So we're here. I asked you both because I watch Eurovision, but I know very little about it. So I'm hoping you guys can answer some of my questions uh, or make up some stuff as well. You can feel free to okay. make up stories yeah. because I, I won't know. I'm <laughs> not going to be challenging you on any of these questions. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, you, you, what you said there, that you watch it and you enjoy it, but you don't know a lot about it. That's where we started from. That was our starting point only a few years ago. We, we really enjoyed watching it, but we didn't know a lot about it. And so one year we just thought, should we just go? Should we? Get, it looks like a bit of fun. Should we just go and see what it's all about? And we went. We had such a good time that we've been going back every year since. And we've just been trying to learn more and more about it and try and find out more about this kind of crazy, mad world that the Eurovision Song Contest actually is. So you, you guys go to the Eurovision every year. Well, apart from 2020, of course. But every yes. other year you've been going for the last few years. Yeah, we we've have. been pretty much every year since 2014. I think there was one that we That's missed, wow. wasn't there? Yes, we missed the one in Ukraine, but apart from that, so we've been to, where have we been? We've been to Copenhagen, uh, we've been to Vienna, we've been to Stockholm, uh, and then Tel Aviv. And Lisbon. Lisbon. Yeah. Lisbon, Tel Aviv. And then we Whoa. obviously, it, there was we were supposed to go to Rotterdam this year, but that didn't happen. 
Yeah, that yeah, for obvious reasons <laughs> this year. <Yeah. laughs> if we can leave our homes, it's uh, that's uh, that's a plus. Um, I, th- <laughs> I suppose my first question then is: so, for anybody who has never seen the Eurovision, never heard of it, has no idea what it is, how would you describe it? So, someone comes up to you and says, "Martin, Laura, what is the Eurovision? How would you describe it? How would you?" pitch it if you will or how, well uh, i'm putting you guys on the spot immediately no, I, yeah, sp- that's I suppose you would say it, it is the the original x factor uh it's the uh, the first in the world sort of multinational singing competition it was devised actually not long after the end of the the second world war maybe about a, a decade or so after the end of the second world war and the idea was to foster cultural events that would bring the continent of europe together which of course had been so devastated by war and the idea was to have a shared thing that people could enjoy uh, and Originally, most people would be listening to it on the radio, and then, of course, it it turned more and more into a a TV event. And the idea simply is that each country selects a song and a singer. They sing it, and people around Europe uh, vote. And there's a jury in each country as well that vote, and and there's a a winner, and they win the Eurovision Song Contest. It's as simple as that. Who's got... Which country has got the best song? Of course... That's it in its simplicity. It then extends <laughs> to just being this whole crazy affair where it, it's just sort of mind-bogglingly weird. There's weird voting <laughs> systems. There's weird traditions that have erupted through it as it's been going so long. And it's hilarious for kind of all the wrong reasons, but we, <laughs> it's, it's very lovable. Exactly. And it's interesting, of course, that Martin says... It was um, devised to bring countries together because I, it it's, couldn't be further from the case now. <laughs> I feel there's a lot of um, sort of rivalry and there, you know, everyone always says, "Oh, political voting," and there is always a bit of that, not as much as people think. I think, but there is a lot of that, uh, you know, throughout the years. There's there's been bits of it, so it's a, it is an interesting one that whilst uh, you know it was there to kind of foster this love between everyone now it's very much not the case um and it's 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 grown from that i think as well into as martin has said this very odd collection of things because there's the the you know the strange interval acts there's the odd presenters who often have to pretend that they're in love with each other or or can't speak english very well make terrible jokes i think it's great that i think probably because it's been on for so long there's been these sort of things that keep happening, keep reoccurring, and it's now become a sort of tradition and people, extra things keep being added on um, to, to make it more weirder and weirder as, as the contest goes on. And God knows what, what it will be like next year. I'd be very interested to see because yeah. it's probably, with it being away for a year, I, there's just so many more things they could do now. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. I suppose you could say the reason why it's so enjoyable is the same reason that you might enjoy your favourite sport. Ultimately, deep down, you know that it doesn't actually matter. Doesn't matter who wins. Doesn't matter what the result is because it's just a game but at the time it's it's everything and it's it's got such passion surrounding it and people really kind of support their countries and want their song to do well and and at the same time we can all laugh at how ridiculous it is yeah and at the same time you know there's a man running around in a hamster wheel so (laughs) why wouldn't you want to watch that it's it's the x factor but you know extra it's the extra x factor if you will not the extra factor that's something else but it's it's a it's an extra sort of element of it it's something more 
just bizarre than any other song contest that's come since. Because it's interesting, you know, that's been going on for so long. There are all these new contests, but they've also they've played it very straight. Whereas I think you, that's something you can't uh, angle at, at the Eurovision, really. Uh, that they, they definitely don't play it straight. Definitely. I mean, well, one thing, as you mentioned, it is its kind of weirdness, but it's, it's sort of kind of, for me, what the Eurovision is. It would be like not the same at all if it wasn't weird, if it wasn't kind of camp, if it wasn't strange. Um, but and you actually answered my second question, which was, you know, what makes it so enjoyable? But it's, it's also, it's fair to say, as you mentioned as well, that the Eurovision has changed a lot over the years because... Um, you know, before it would be like a nice, you know, one person singing a ballad <laughs> and th- they would probably win because they were Irish. Ireland won a lot, it, but I don't Yeah, know, Ireland did yeah. win an awful but, lot. But they haven't won in a long time, no. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I think they're um, probably quite happy about that, though. <laughs> Maybe up until recently. I think there was a time, much like in Father Ted. Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> yeah, where, a song for Europe where they were just thinking, please, just let's not win again. We can't it's, host it again. Very, exp- very it's, expensive to host it. And I suppose is that it? is, well, yeah, it is. It's, in fact, I think a few years ago when Norway... Uh, hosted, they were so worried about the finances that the Norwegian broadcaster actually had to sell the rights to all of their sports um, coverage. Every single thing they had to give to someone else because they needed the money to pay for the Eurovision Song Contest. It's an extremely expensive thing to do. And they do get help. I mean, some of the some of the other countries do chip in a little bit to, to help with it. And they sell tickets and things like that. So it isn't solely the country that hosts it, but it is. And a lot of people watch it. So and an awful they, lot of they, people watch yeah. it. It's, it's a really good coup for your tourist board because you get non-stop adverts for your, right. your country and country. wonderful places to go and see in it. But... I mean, as you mentioned, it's good for the tourist board and I'm sure eventually you might make some money. But if it's so expensive and why would any country want to host it then? You know, is it is it is it true that like in the Father Ted episode that we mentioned where they intentionally chose the worst song so that they would have no chance of winning it? Does that actually happen? (laughs) Do you know if that? I mean, that's what the UK's. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> That's what the UK's been doing. We've been playing the long game, you see. People think we're, you know, we don't know it's their rubbish. We know, we know, we know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> we're all too clear. We're just trying to save a bit of cash. <laughs> yeah. So, so then back to my original question, what, apart from like the, you know, the tourist board and, the, and all that, it's because some countries do take this seriously and they do really want to win. And I go every year, I see that, you know, in Spain, for example, every year they try and I, I believe they try and set out what they believe is their best year, apart from 2008. I don't know if you remember that. But, uh, the Irish one was Dustin the Turkey. Oh, and yeah. Spa- yeah Spain yeah, had yeah. Uh, the, um, the, that, that you know, crazy guy as well. But every other year, from what I've seen, they really take it seriously and they never come close to winning. So why do countries want to, to, to win? Though? Why would any country want to host if it's so expensive? I think it's more than just the money, though, isn't it? I think there's a sense, and and certainly for a lot of the the countries that spent a long time behind the Iron Curtain uh, and right. living under under Soviet Russia, there is a real kind of feeling that people are taking their country seriously if they yeah. were to win, and there they are on the same stage as a lot of these Western European countries, these huge big kind of powerhouses and forces in 
world politics and there they are competing on the same stage and they actually do have a chance of beating them because it is just simply who can come up with the best song uh i i wonder that there is that sense of national pride that people want i think so yeah. and i think it's a case of as well if you know all these other countries in europe are taking part you'd want to take part as well wouldn't you you'd be a bit like well why can't we join in and that's obviously what's happened as the as the years have filtered by more and more countries have taken part to the extent now you know as as we've been saying australia is now part of the eurovision which you is mentioned israel as well yes israel <laughs> yeah azerbaijan so it, it, it it's getting a bit much now of course the eurovision is also going to america next year yeah, um <laughs> so at least america's not joining the eurovision that's one thing we can be happy about but yeah so it's it's getting bigger and more popular and i can't at some point we're, we're gonna have to have some kind of world vision or something where just all all the different countries in the world take part because it, it somehow it does seem to be so popular yeah, it's, it has become, you know, more and more po popular, as you mentioned. And then, uh, you know, before, because I want to ask about America as well, because that surprised me when I heard that on your on your podcast. And But uh, you mentioned the traditions as well, the new traditions. Are you able to t tell us uh, one or two new traditions that have popped up in your vision that are maybe quite bizarre or entertaining <laughs> um i suppose well i wouldn't say these particularly entertaining but just there's been there's been a lot of new rules that come and go in in eurovision at the, at the beginning as you said it was very much uh one person singing a song then they decided up to six people could be uh, on the stage uh, a lot later on so that meant that that there's more in the way of like I say, random men running in hamster wheels and all that kind of thing. There was there was more scope to um, bring about the theatrics and as well the you know the the sort of pyrotechnics have got a lot more advanced mm. recently. Now there's like holograms and all these kind of things you wouldn't have seen that you know in the fifties when when this was starting out. Mm. And of course, the voting system is is the oh, big yes. tradition. I was um, going to ask about that. <laughs> the, the the, this what people possibly even more than the songs themselves is what people actually remember about Eurovision. I think if you said to somebody the Eurovision Song Contest, the first thing they think about would not be their favourite song. It would be somebody going. Uh, come in, come in, Moscow. Mo can you hear me? Hello. <laughs> you know, it would be something yes. going wrong with a satellite connection to somebody sitting in some far-flung corner of Europe, <laughs> desperately trying, and then getting the voting system wrong and giving 12 points to the wrong country, and then the scoreboard <laughs> goes wrong. People love that. They love it. They love it when it goes wrong. And they love the idea of kind of pinging around and, and hearing from different parts of, uh, parts of Europe because it, it is quite funny and it's a tradition which if you were to sit down and explain it to somebody we all sit for hours and it is hours just mm. watching people add things up presumably is, yes. we know that we know it already because they've typed it in the computer now we don't actually need to hear them say it we could just know but yes that's we, true but we but we do it every year because we love it and it, yeah, it's a good point, really, with these sort of satellite delays and things like that. They really need, they should by now have fixed this so it all runs smoothly. But where else do you see, you just don't see it in any other show where you're zipping along to 
different countries. It's always got the, the sort of up and coming presenters and they always look quite mad as well. And half of them don't even know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> half of them aren't saying the right thing as Walter says. I mean, we, we do a feature in our uh, podcast called Trivia Time where we look back at old Eurovisions and mention a little nugget of, of sort of facts of things that have gone back in Eurovisions gone by. And most of the time, they're just things that have gone wrong because there's so <laughs> many of them that, you know, there's plenty to choose from. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, as, as, as you mentioned, you know, one of the best parts are when things do go wrong. And also you mentioned with the presenters that, again, I don't know, I'm sure that they could be, if you get them to present anything else other than the Eurovision, they might be natural, they might be mm. good. But for some reason, at least when I watch it, even if English is their native language, they always seem very awkward. Yeah. And again, this... <laughs> Far from being a criticism, it just feels part of the Eurovision and what makes it so great. <laughs> it, it certainly is. But remember, I mean, for a lot of them, English will not be their, their first As language. As well, that is fact, true. It's almost definitely won't be. Uh, and some countries, true. some countries can pull it off better, better than others. I mean, for example, uh, we always remember very fondly, Laura and I, the, um, the Swedish hosts, um, yes. Petra and Mons, who were fantastic, yeah. and I think it's they because we we share a, a similar sense of humour with the with the Swedes and with other Scandinavian countries mm. into how we view the Eurovision Song Contest, which is sort of with love, but also we are quite happy to kind of poke fun at it and find it quite funny. And I think other countries in Europe maybe don't have that same relationship with it and do take it a lot more seriously. But as a result, the way they presented it was extremely funny because they they got why it's good. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you if you haven't seen it, I would definitely look up the uh, song that they did, kind of spoofing the Eurovision in a loving way, uh, called "Love, Love, Peace, Peace," which was very funny indeed. Oh, I'll have to check it out. But uh, yeah, I think Ireland is kind of similar to the UK. I mean, Graham Norton is uh, he's he's I believe he does a commentary for the UK. He does. Yeah, he does. Now, and he's yeah. from from Cork, even though he works in in the UK. But yeah, I think we're kind of similar that way. But um, now we have mentioned as well what is good, but also uh, you know we've spoken a little bit about um, at least what people believe is the kind of political side of it and i don't really don't need to go into details but i know some people you mentioned laura criticize for the voting that we would have countries voting for their neighbors or at least that's a perception that people have um that you know scandinavia sweden might give 12 points to denmark and um and now as more countries gain independence or maybe not maybe if there's a war between countries they mightn't vote for each other so then what uh, what has the Eurovision organisers done? Have the, you mentioned that they've changed the voting process. Is this as a result of, of this to try and make sure that the best song genuinely wins and to try and leave politics kind of out of it as much as possible? Or how, I, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, so, for example, of course, although the, there is the public vote, there there's also right. always a jury vote as well, um, which means that it's not just reliant on, on the public. There are juries... Um, you know, from each country who are listening to it, well, all this, they should be listening to it just for the song um, and voting purely on the musicality of it. So that is one way, you know, that to, to kind of balance out that public reaction. But I think it's good that they do have a public reaction because, yeah. you know, people are going to find a song different from someone who's a music expert, but the, the, that should be a valued opinion as well. So I think it's good they do include that. Um, in terms of, I'm trying to think myself how they how they I don't know if they because they themselves don't see it as such of an issue. I would think the EBU okay. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know if you, Martin, can think of any ways they've... Well, they've done two things, I think, relatively recently to try and address the concerns. I think if you go back about 10 years when Terry Wogan was uh, doing the commentary for the UK, he kind of left in protest at the fact that the political voting, in his view, had gone too ridiculous. It just it was completely overshadowing the whole thing. I, which which may have been true and changes were made after that they introduced a 50 50 split between a, a jury and the public rather than being completely public and that kind of did something to water down the process i would argue that in the end usually the best song does win there's lots so. of political voting that goes on but i think normally it does tend to cancel itself out um because of just the kind of the, the way it the way it works and usually the best song does win but they've done quite a lot to not only try and reduce the amount of influence that political votes have they've also done quite a bit to hide it too so they've introduced this 50 50 split when you go round europe to hear the votes you're actually only hearing the jury vote now so that further yes. waters down so you're not seeing uh, okay. what the public are saying and then at the very end they say here are the the total number of votes that the public gave to this particular country and they combine all of the whole European voting public together to give a final public vote score to each country. So you, you won't know that, that, um, that the United Kingdom has given uh, 12 points uh, to, to Ireland. You, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that Greece has given 12 to Cyprus because you wouldn't be able to see it. Right. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I was going to say, because if it was political voting or voting for neighbours, you know, it'd be a problem for countries like Australia. <laughs> yeah. Who are they going to vote for? They, they did quite well. They did pretty yeah. well. So you, you I believe that, yeah, so it's just political. Exactly. And, uh, and, and yeah, and, and, you know, for us as well, you know, UK and Ireland, we're basically the only neighbours we have. Mm. <laughs> so, but Except I, you still don't vote very much for us, do you? Do you? I wonder why I, that might be. But, yes, <laughs> I can't possibly think of any reasons. Well, I mean, the, the UK tends to vote an awful lot for Ireland. And I, I, I wonder that, that that's because there's an awful lot of people living in Northern Ireland. Irish people. That, that, oh. and, and, lots, and lots of Irish Would... people that will be voting. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's very <laughs> obvious reasons reasons why there will be lots of people voting for Ireland who are living it, in the United Kingdom but yeah. maybe that situation isn't quite reversed no yeah it, it feels like unrequited love at this stage <laughs> yeah, the, yes, UK okay. usually <laughs> what we, UK we usually need to do <laughs> come on well I can think of a few things but yeah, yeah. yeah. UK, um, UK usually gives Ireland 10 or 12 points and Ireland as yeah. far as I know sometimes doesn't give 12 points no, but uh, they don't. I believe was, is it true that was it a few well I say a few years ago I think I was a child at that time that the UK when they had the Irish person I think uh giving the vote now i believe it was a technical issue but i think they blurred the face of the <laughs> irish person <laughs> and your people in ireland were up and arms like how could they do this to us oh and no so well I, I, I can believe that happening because a I, lot of that seems to happen especially during I, the voting yeah and now i believe it was more a technical issue which we've spoken about <laughs> um but uh but yeah and actually but uh, i believe um the the uk songs have have they not improved because who was it um, a few no. years ago that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who was it a few years ago who had the protester go on while she was singing oh, Siri Siri yeah Siri 
Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, I was gonna say Stormzy, but that's not that's not. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 we she maybe didn't turn she was better good, if it she? had been with stu- with uh, with I Stormzy, agree. but she, uh, she was good though, wasn't she? Well, she was, but she didn't she didn't do very well. <laughs> she, no. she gave it her best shot. She didn't she didn't do score particularly highly. No, uh, 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 she yeah. The song was called Storm, so that's maybe. Uh, where you got that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes, no, yeah, I, uh, I don't yeah. think it was a bad song. Um, yeah. uh, it just wasn't that memorable. Uh, genuinely, can can either of you remember the song? Nope, not really. But <laughs> so there you go. Are there any particular acts that are memorable for the two of you? Then, as Eurovision fans, speaking of acts that are memorable for maybe the right reasons or the wrong reasons, over to you. I can think of one, but I don't know if it's the same is this one. UK that or just or in anyone, general? anyone in general. Well, I can think of one that is particularly memorable. I'm, I'm going to say. I mean, there are so there are so <laughs> many that are actually yeah. quite memorable, and but most of them because they're a little ridiculous. I am going to go though with um, the winner in 2014, which was Conchita I knew you were going to go for that. Uh, representing Austria, and we were yeah. actually there at her semi-final oh. and we we watched it and there genuinely it was it was a real moment wasn't it mm, i mean we, we were was. there in the hall. We, we felt the atmosphere the hairs are going up on the back of your neck because it was a real kind of moment you had this person a uh, representative of the lgbt plus community uh stand standing there very proud of who they were singing this song talking about rising from the ashes and being who they who they are and being impassioned about that mm. and you really felt that moment you felt that you were there at some a really important time and sure enough Conchita verse went on to to win and that song went down in eurovision history so i i would mm. say that would be a hugely memorable performance oh definitely okay. for sure and i think it's interesting because if you if someone described that to you as um you know a a man who uh wearing uh sort of fake beard and, and dra- remember, you know, dressing yes. up, you know, uh, as a sort of drag kind of queen in a way. Uh, you might think that sounds a bit sort of slapstick, kind of a bit more jokey. But actually, as Martha says, it was a, a real mm. moment and it, it did. Uh, I think everyone was very moved by it. Um, I'm thinking on the other side of the... I mean, there's, there's loads of songs that have been very powerful, like Euphoria by Lorene. Mm. I think that's still... A huge Eurovision oh, yeah, favorite yeah, yeah, and of the course, performance. If you go back to the seventies, you've got the likes of of ABBA. I mean, ABBA. Yes, of course. How can we Gabe, not mention ABBA? ABBA debuted yeah. <laughs> Waterloo at the Eurovision Song Contest. You know, there's some really, really big moments in in the kind of collective history, uh, cultural history of the the continent that have happened at Eurovision. I guess that kind of brings me back to what the whole point of the Eurovision Song Contest was meant to be in the beginning, something that unifies the continent that wasn't in wasn't meant to be political. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Which reminds me, of course, of Riverdance. Riverdance came yes, from, your course, vision, from Eurovision. And what a moment well. that forget. was. Yes, yes, <gasps> when, you, yes. when you watch that back, because obviously they were the interval act um, for, for uh, Ireland that year. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, wow. When you watch that back and you just see everyone watching it thinking, what? what is this this is amazing and at the end everyone gets up and claps and again that's that would be a moment you'd watch that and think oh this is you know uh you, everyone knew that that was a moment and Eurovision is full of those uh, those moments yeah it was the beginning of a new Irish stereotype <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we thought you didn't have enough you, you yeah. didn't exactly. we don't have enough Irish stereotypes so now when I go abroad people ask me oh can you do the Irish dancing and I'm like 
Uh, I can try, but it's very difficult. <laughs> and I've never actually done it properly before. You've got your so. vision to thank for that. <laughs> so thank you. And of course, it was Johnny Logan. You know, hold yeah. me now, which I will yeah, sing. And, um, I, and then on the other hand, you know, we've spoken about, uh, you know, truly memorable ones. I'm sure you remember the, the banjo playing grannies. Oh, yes. a few years ago. Dancing grannies. <laughs> the Russian grannies, yes. Yeah, uh, naughty. You know, uh, who are Lordy? Are they the metal, the heavy metal? The heavy right. metal yeah. bands, yes. yeah. Hard Rock Hallelujah. Yes, actually a friend of mine asked me, do you, you know, do I remember Hard Rock Hallelujah? And Con- yeah, Conchita Wurst, who you mentioned as yeah. well. So yeah. So, um, yeah, so there are some really good uh, acts as well. And now going on to, uh, because this past year, there was a Netflix movie by Will Ferrell and uh, Rachel McAdams as well. And I admit, I went into that movie not having really any expectations, not really because it's Eurovision, but because Will Ferrell is very hit and miss for me. And I was thinking, this could be great or this could be terrible. It's probably going to be terrible. Like, he's American making a movie about Eurovision. But actually, I quite enjoyed it. But then there are film critics who said that they didn't like it at all. So what is the correct answer? <laughs> Should, from, your, from your point of view, from Eurovision experts, was it good or was it bad? <laughs> In your opinion, of course. Uh, well, I'd say that there is no correct answer, of course. It is yeah, no, you, I am being facetious. So um, what, what, what do you guys think? So from your point of view, from I your think, more knowledge than I am. I think because um, Laura and I spoke about this at the time, and I think, uh, I think it's fair to say we both went into it with the same sort of worry as you did, that it was not going to be very good. And so our expectations were low. But having said that, I think it was on the whole pretty good there were some pretty dodgy bits there was some bits where you just thought this is overly cheesy or you haven't quite got this or but i think those points were few and far between i think overall it was it was really good it was silly i think it captured the essence of of eurovision and what the whole thing's really about and the music was actually pretty yes, decent. the songs were good. Yeah, yeah really good. Uh, they really nailed that Eurovision uh, sort of element in the songs and they're very catchy. I've listened to the soundtrack since. Oh, me too. Very good songs, so I agree <laughs> with Martin. And I think it's just, it's an interesting thing, a bit like Eurovision itself. Some of the elements were quite naff, but you kind of forgave mm. it because it had the excellent songs, it had the drama. Um, I mean, Pierce Brosnan's accent was atrocious, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, and some of the writing, the plot kind of went to pieces. You were like, what is going on? But that's a bit like watching Eurovision. Exactly. I was going to say that. <laughs> so I, I understand why film critics might say this doesn't hold up as a great film. But, uh, you know, it's it's not The Godfather, of course. No, it's, it's just a bit of light entertainment, like Eurovision itself. Doesn't take itself too seriously. And I think what was good, I think, as Eurovision fans, it did pay uh, homage to Eurovision. It didn't take the piss out of it too much. It understood, you know, there was a give and take, you know, so there was that wonderful cameo scene when all the sort of a couple of past Eurovision stars came and danced and sang Cher. That was great. Yeah, that was really good. Did did that actually happen? When uh, you guys were travelling there to the no. Eurovision. Did that happen? The song along, I think we missed no? that night, didn't we? Um, well, there was... Do you remember when we went to Copenhagen and we yes. had to get a little bus to mm. what was essentially a warehouse where they yeah. were putting it on? They'd just converted a big old warehouse and they'd, they'd put loads of cameras and lights and stuff in it. And you had to get a bus to the, the venue. 
And the mood on that bus was great. Everyone was singing Eurovision songs. Like, yeah. All from loads of different countries around Europe. Nobody spoke the same language, but everybody knew like a Sang few the of the big, the big Eurovision <laughs> hits like ABBA and all of that. And, and, and Gina G. And Gina G uh, made an appearance in there. And everyone was just singing along. So yeah, it, it sort of does happen. It, it does happen in a way, but you don't have, uh, you know, Conchita dropping by. No, Conchita wasn't there. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, as, as you mentioned, you know, one of the reasons why I liked it is because, as you mentioned, you, you know, it does kind of take the piss out of the Eurovision, but not too much. I think mm. it also shows respect to the Eurovision because I believe I may be wrong, but I believe Will Ferrell's wife is Swedish, so that's how he knows of the Eurovision, and he's actually a fan. Yeah. Now there there were some errors in it. Like even I yeah. don't know it. Like why was it set in Edinburgh, for example? And there are different. But I think you know most people won't care or know about that. So I mean, you um, could argue perhaps it. You know, if if it came to the UK, it might be set in Edinburgh. It's I mean, true. It could be. It, I mean, you know, not to offend around. any Scottish fans listening, <laughs> it's possible. It was set in. You know, it was held in Harrogate one year. So. It was. It oh, was, was held it? in okay. Harrogate. So it definitely it it definitely could be held in edinburgh but that would mean that there is a universe out there in which the uk at some point won <laughs> and yes that, that's, seems, that's that the... seems the most unlikely <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um no but i thought i quite enjoyed it as well and i uh so firstly i would recommend people watch it so again if you haven't ever seen the eurovision like it you know, would you say that it kind of can give like an idea of what it's about? <laughs> yes, it that can. Has, obviously, and there's obviously the, it's not it's not exactly accurate. The, same, the whole <laughs> the semi final sequence is completely off. <laughs> I don't know why someone in the EBU didn't step in um, and just say, "What are you thinking? This isn't what happens at all." But um, <laughs> yeah, for the most part, it gives you it gives you a little bit of an idea. And that, uh, sorry, I should say that it's the European Broadcasting Union, which are the okay. kind of the head honchos behind Eurovision. Right. And uh, and then moving on, because you, you mentioned at the start of the interview that it's going to be held in the United States now, that they're going to have their own version. And I'm just curious, does anyone know how that's going to work? Because in <laughs> the Eurovision, as we know, it, as well as being kind of camp and not completely taking itself seriously, there is, you know, celebration of different cultures in Europe. But in the US, is it going to be as kind of camp or is it going to be very serious and are they going to celebrate different cultures in the US yeah especially now (laughs) well yeah I I think the I mean I think the short answer to that is we don't know yet I mean okay we we, we don't know yet we we know some details but we don't know all of them we know that rather than uh the the countries of Europe it will be the states uh individual states that'll be um uh, competing against each other to have which is a lot which is a lot um, we don't know how true to the Eurovision format they will stick, whether they'll go with something completely different or whether they will use the same format with the with the voting process and, and all that that entails. There isn't that same tradition, of course, over there. So maybe they'd cut that bit out, although mm. I think it's the best bit. Um, <laughs> but we've, we've heard from Americans and what um, American Eurovision fans who are quite thin on the ground, it has to be said, but they definitely still do exist about what they think about it. And they're a little unclear as to how it will work. And they point to that issue as well, which is that the individual states do not have the same kind of musical differences and individual culture in the same way that the countries of Europe have, and that that might not help the situation. 
Yeah, and I think it will be very interesting to see what happens because it will, you know, it'll be there in the frame of a song contest, but whether it will have the feel of Eurovision and as Martin says, with the different states competing, because you might get a little bit of a difference, maybe, for example, with some of the South states and some of the, you know, They could Northern certainly states. do country something. Country music and, again. Yeah, <laughs> country music and, and a kind of... Breakdancing uh, New York. Yeah, and a kind of like a, 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 a Mexican, Latin American type influence mm. with some of the Southern states as well. And, you know, there are, there is stuff that they could do. But it all depends on how, how they want to frame it and how they want to go with the contest mm. and how true they want to stick to the original format of Eurovision. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to have that same kind of uh, sort of schlager or, you know, Europe, Europe pop kind of feel, is it? That, that That's going to be gone from the competition. It's going to, It'll be interesting, though. There'll be a lot more rap. There'll be a yeah. lot more... There'll be no uh, reggaeton, will there? We, <laughs> no. What happens where you go anywhere in Europe, it would seem, at some point you will encounter reggaeton, which is that beat that goes boom, chip boom, chip boom, chip boom, chip. Everywhere you go in Europe, it will happen. It's only a matter of time before you walk yeah. somewhere and you hear it. Uh, and I, you don't get that in the States. No, you don't. So there'll be a lot of things missing. But, you know, it's its own thing. Be, yeah, They're it welcome to it. Do, <laughs> um, keep it there, please. <laughs> do, do, we know where, do we know when it's supposed to be aired? Does so anyone know? Yeah, it's supposed to be next summer. But obviously, we don't know. That might get delayed because uh, that's a big undertaking. Every state and there's going to be... I think there's going to be selection processes in every state and uh, different finals as well. So it's not just going to be, uh, you know, there's some kind of academy they're building up for each state as well. So it's a lot of work they're putting into this. So, you know, let, let's hopefully we can watch it. That's the yeah, only that's thing I'm thinking. Ask, do <laughs> and do, do we know if Canada and Mexico will become involved with this just in the United States for now? Just in the US for now, yeah. they've not said anything about other countries joining. But exactly. again, who knows? If Australia can be in the Eurovision Song Contest, exactly. I don't see why not. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so then we, you know, to, before we finish off, we should talk about your podcast, which you guys started, I believe, was it last year, two years ago? When last did you start year. a podcast? Yeah, last yeah. Well, it was October, wasn't it? Yeah, October, October 2019. November 2019. Yeah, and when the world was fine. And um, <laughs> was it well better than it is now? Yeah. Better than it was now. It was certainly better. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. We um, we we set it up for the reasons that we spoke about earlier. We are two fans of Eurovision. We really like it, and we we wanted to know more about it. We wanted mm. to explore the eccentricities and the the crazy stuff that goes on, and we wanted to celebrate the people that that love it. And that's what we've been doing. We've been finding out more about it. We've been speaking to people who live, breathe Eurovision all the time. The eccentrics, the wonderful eccentrics that kind of make the competition what it is. We've been trying to find out more and we've hopefully been trying to have a bit of a laugh as we go along as well. Yes. And I think that's important to note because when we came to this world, we realised there's a lot of Eurovision podcasts, actually, and a lot of people... Really? Yeah, really, really into... There's a lot of Eurovision podcasts out there, sure, sure. And a lot of people who know a lot more than us because we started out, I think... We were talking about news that came out in the Eurovision world and what you know what was going on each week by week because you might not think it, but there's a lot that d does happen uh, wow. without the finals around. There's still mm. because all the, there's all the national selection process and also we, I mean we have a segment now on our show called Non News of the Week where we just <laughs> mention a news segment that isn't really news. Like for example, all the countries that were performing last year are back next year and things like that. <laughs> so we do try and have a laugh, and I think that's the thing that maybe 
sets us apart from other podcasts. We we don't just take everything so seriously. We do realise it's a it's a laugh. It's Eurovision. Why not have a bit of fun with it? So I think that's how we've maybe grown a little bit as a podcast. We we've we've tried to see a bit of the fun side as well as the serious side. As still loving Eurovision, like the Eurovision movie. I was going to mention that. And I was going to compare <laughs> in a good way your yeah. Eurovision podcast to the Eurovision movie. <laughs> that you guys, from what what I like about it. Now I know Laura, we're we're friends, but genuinely, what I like about the podcast, the two of you. First of all, it's obvious that you have great chemistry. You know each other. You get on well with each other. Well, we've uh, well, known each other for sure, far actually. too long. That's the we, problem. How long have we known each other now, Martin? Uh, it must be about, over 10 years. Oh, it's about, yeah, it's about oh, wow. 12, 13 years, something like that. That chemistry. You can't, you can't we, make that chemistry. We, we've only known each other, Laura, what, a year and a half now? So that's, and look that's, at the, just you wait. That chemistry is going to grow, sure. <laughs> yeah, just you wait a decade. And you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just imagine all the jokes I can tell in that time mm. Laura I mean, mm, you're going right. to be <laughs> no because what what I like about the mentioning that you guys I can imagine other Eurovision podcasts are I mean I haven't listened to any of the others but you mentioned it might be oh, they're rubbish. serious you don't and knowledgeable to, yeah. No, yeah, don't exactly <laughs> but this one is that you don't take it or yourselves completely seriously but you don't mock the Eurovision it's not like no. oh look at this it's like you genuinely enjoy it and you genuinely love the Eurovision you can tell oh, yeah. from from the podcast um, was there was there anything that you learned so uh, when you start when you started so was there anything that maybe was surprising when you started because there's a lot of things that surprised me when I started the first podcast yeah and I was like oh wow this is a little bit more difficult than I imagined I have to learn all these things so I think yeah. The, yeah I think there's a lot we, we've learned I mean we're still <laughs> learning we're only in our first year oh, yes but- I think, well, first of all, we learned that there's a lot more Eurovision podcasts than we realised. <laughs> yes. That was a big... And also that they all know a lot more about Eurovision than us. So yep. that was a big learning point. But in terms of uh, making the podcast, um, I think we, we both learned, you know, in terms of promoting it, we, we've come on a lot in terms of promoting it on social media and learning how to get into those different groups of people that are into Eurovision. You no, know, we started out, I, we didn't even have a Twitter or anything. So because um, we, we just wanted to see what we could make with it. And I think now we're a bit, we're still not, you know, we're, we're still learning and trying to get into those groups. We're not, well, you know. we, We've got a lot better at division of labour now, haven't we? And, and we who have, does actually. what? And yeah. we can kind of just get on with it without having to uh, agree who's doing what because we know our we know our roles. We know our jobs. Roles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be like an underlying message there. I quite, can't quite put my finger on it. I'm guessing I should probably move on because I don't want to to be the can. end of a you know t- ten year friendship. <laughs> Wait a minute, I do a lot on that podcast. I don't. I oh, don't want we this didn't to say. Be I'm, sh- I'm sure Martin yeah. wasn't talking about that. I'm sure it was just yeah. a general comment. Hey, just now, a general comment. We, general who comment. who decided to have an AGM for the podcast? Okay, yeah. Um, we it was came up with an a lot of good ideas. We went yeah, to the, we, we went to the pub. Uh, we went to the pub. <laughs> it was an AGM, Martin. Yeah, it was an AGM. Yeah. Yeah, we had a, we wrote things down and everything. It was good. Yeah. Cool. And and then apart from the the two of you guys talking, do you ever have any special guests on the podcast? Yes. Oh, we do. This is another thing that we've started doing a lot more because we realise us just chatting to each other is 
boring as hell. So <laughs> no, I would, I would disagree. I, I enjoyed listening to the two of you chatting. But so yeah. what? What? What guests have you had? Uh, if you remember? Yeah. Well, we've we've had quite a few recently, and we're we're sort of building that up, and we're we're concentrating. And again, this is kind of our message: is making Eurovision fun, make it not making mm. it serious. So all our guests, well, or most of them anyway, are, are are quite sort of unique and and unusual. So we've had uh we've had a recently Maxi Rainbow, who's a drag queen who does uh Eurovision reaction videos um all dragged up and she was telling us about her sort of favorite Eurovision acts and, and how to create the perfect YouTube reaction channel because she gets you know thousands of subscribers uh we've had the cheerful twins from Iceland which uh, Martin Martin can tell you about because uh, he loved them I did so love Will Fer- them Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdam they were <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah not quite we haven't got her yet she's uh, Rachel if you're listening if you want to get back to my email that'd be great that's okay but yeah so who are these cheerful twins the, well I mean it doesn't really need that much explanation because it's all <laughs> there for you in the title they are twins they're really really cheerful and they love eurovision and they love the person who was tipped to win uh, in 2020 had there been a song contest who was uh, iceland's representative which was a, a chap called dardy uh, who was, it was uh, his his song which ended up not competing of course uh went went viral and everybody it was everywhere uh, which is a song called think about things and they uh, were obsessed and still are obsessed with this guy and they are bonkers and they are fantastic and i absolutely love them so we 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 do we speak to everybody and we want to speak to people who are really passionate and enthusiastic about the about the contest because we want to feed off that enthusiasm because i don't know about you but there's something about talking to people who love whatever it is and it could be the most (laughs) boring thing in the world but if you speak to somebody who's passionate about it you 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 feel that passion yeah, for sure. And so that's what we'll be doing more um, in 2021 as well, finding those weird fans, those unusual people uh, and getting them on the podcast. Cool. So I expect to be on the podcast in 2021, even though yeah. I don't know anything about the Eurovision. But yeah. we you know, will we can... struggle to shoehorn you in <laughs> on that basis, but we'll do our best. <laughs> yeah, if you maybe, you know, just uh, come up with a bit of a better backstory, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, oh, I know. I, I could sing one of the songs. Would you like that, Laura? Would you like mm, me to? No. no. We can just discuss it off, off air if yeah, you I want. I think that's <laughs> best. Yeah. Uh, but also, when, when we're able to travel again, hopefully in 2021 do you plan on recording when you travel to the eurovision um there again do you plan on recording a podcast or even going live or, that was the big uh, plan we plans? were that we were gonna do, we were gonna be going Damn there you COVID. and yeah we were gonna be recording loads of stuff when we were there and kind of bringing you the the flavor of what it's like to be a fan at the eurovision song contest and everything that was happening to us that that was the that was the idea we were even talking about some really exciting ferry trips that we were going to have. God, Martin goes on about these really bloody ob- ferries. Weirdly ob- obsessed <laughs> with the ferry. But- no, we we are not obsessed. You are obsessed. Martin. <laughs> I couldn't care less. I like a ferry. Are you done? No. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> that was our plan, uh, and we hope to do it next year. We do Hopefully. hope to do it next year. I was I was a bit concerned because my friend told me she was getting married on Day of All Days, Eurovision you, Day. No! I was thinking, <laughs> what are you doing, you silly girl? You, you can't get married on Eurovision Day. You can't get married on Christmas Day. Exactly. I mean, no. And I was thinking, I'm going to have to watch Eurovision at the wedding. Like, you know, like there's people <laughs> who, with the headphones on, if there's like a game on, yeah. if there's football or something, and they're just like watching it in the corner. I'd be doing that with Eurovision. But it's all right because, because of COVID, they've decided to move it 
it to 2022. So okay, that, one... I, I had to pretend to be upset, but yeah. So, 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 so Dan, what, what is happening with uh, with the Eurovision next year? Is it yeah, going to be still in, uh, is it in, was it uh, uh, Rotterdam? Rotterdam? Yeah. Is it still going to be in Rotterdam? Definitely, it's, it, it is going ahead. They've said it will happen next year. It's, yeah, uh, it, it is happening in Rotterdam. But they've basically given these four scenarios saying either it will go ahead perfectly normally, which is probably not going to be the case, but who knows? <laughs> Fingers crossed. It's happening in May, so there's a bit of time. It'll either be perfectly normally. It'll either be going ahead, but there'll be a socially distanced audience or it'll be going ahead, but there won't be your audience. Or it'll it'll be going ahead, but everyone will record theirs at, at in their home countries, and there won't be there'll still be a live show, but none of them will be there. So it is happening. Let's hope. Okay. Maybe two yes. or three or one, but um, I can't see it going ahead. You know, perfectly normally, but and, who knows? Who knows? And are they the same act, the same people who yeah. supposed to sing? Well, oh, I think for most for most countries now, there's definitely it was all the same countries taking part. They're still having to decide in terms... There's still all these national selection finals going on. Because they can't on. use them... the same song. That's the, yeah, that's they can't the key use the same thing. Song. They okay. can't resubmit the same song. That... 2020 has has happened now and they can't they can't redo that. So they have... They can use the same artist, the same act can go, but they need to come up with a new song. And some of the... You know, it, you know for example, with Sweden, there's... Uh, with their national selection, there's 28 artists taking part... In, and one of the artists is the 2020 artist, the Mamas, but they might not be chosen again for 2021. Who knows? I think they, they may well get the sympathy vote, but that, that's the point. You know, it's not necessarily the same artists. So it'll be interesting to see with if, you know, new ones pop up. But I think probably most of them will, will come back. Oh, good. Be Eurovision part two. Yeah. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Let's see if we can do it this year. Exactly. Um, do, do you guys have a YouTube channel as well? Or did, did I read that? We do. Or, we, uh, and we've only just started this and this is something quite new. So uh, we, we've just got the one video at the moment where we're, the whole point that we thought we do uh, a kind of a Eurovision reaction video, but a bit differently where we're basically reacting to all the songs in Eurovision's history, which have got null poire because our podcast is null poire. Um, so we react to the the rubbish songs basically, and then we decide did they deserve Nolpoir? So at the moment we've just done one with uh, Norway's entry entry uh, Jan Tegen uh, Mill et a Mill, very interesting entry I will say. Yes. He does a lot of uh, jumping about. He does the splits at one point, um, and yeah, it's just me and Martin reacting to that video and deciding at the end if he deserved it. I would say it's only, you know it's not too long to watch, but it's a uh, it's a bit of fun. And it is again just called with the channel's just called Nolpois. So uh, look us up, and we're hoping to do more of those, you know, as the year goes by. And um, it's a, kind of just a different take on the whole Eurovision reaction because there's there's loads of those as well. So we're just trying to make our oh, yes. mark, can't we, Martin? We are. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll share the link in the show notes, oh, and you. I look forward to to seeing that. And then finally, where can people find you guys on? Oh yes, your podcast. Where uh, can't so you wh- find us? That's the question. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> yep, you can. Uh, well, we're on. This is my, normally my segment at the end of the show. Where I tell everybody where to look for us, and I kind of mess it up at some point. But uh, we, as, as you said, <laughs> no, I don't on... believe that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you to go off the rails no, with, on never. your Eurovision podcast. <laughs> uh, no. uh, yeah, so we, we are obviously on YouTube as I mentioned. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're just called Nolpoir Podcast on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're Apoir Null because someone else had already taken the handle uh, Nolpoir. Oh. 
So that's, that's a bit annoying, really, but what can you do? Um, so we're on that. And we are, if you want to listen to us, we're on SoundCloud, we're on uh, iTunes, um, we're on Spotify. So, yeah, and, and I think most kind of um, podcast things you can find us on so if you if you want to send us an email you can send us an email that's just you know we're, we're just so ready for people Putting to listen to the there. podcast <laughs> oh that's uh so so big plans ahead for 2021 hopefully we'll be able to see you guys at yeah. uh, the eurovision and if, if you want me to tag along you know i can you know say, sing some of the eurovision songs to keep oh. you guys company mm. we can we can discuss it if you wish yeah, we can listen, i think we need to discuss that sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> is there is there anything else that you guys would like to mention before we finish up because i think that's all the questions that i have is there anything that we haven't covered or we haven't mentioned I think we've got through the whole uh, the whole 50, 60 and years more. of Eurovision, haven't we? I think we've covered that. Yeah, just you know, I think what what we said before. If you if you enjoy watching a bit of Eurovision, but you don't feel like you're a hardcore fan, we're exactly the same. So feel free to like take a listen to the podcast. I think even if you don't really enjoy Eurovision. It's just us messing exactly. about. If, if you don't know anything about the Eurovision, I'd say you can still listen to you guys yeah. because, you know, you got a lot of fun to listen to. So. Half of it is just me answering the door for the post or doing different that's things. That's happened so. quite a lot recently, yeah. <laughs> wow, so, that's so yeah. fascinating. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, record- I really sold it there, haven't I? <laughs> but you, you recorded when you were in Iceland, didn't, didn't you, Laura? When yes. You were in Iceland, so that would be a nice thing. I, I think, unfortunately, next year we're still not going to be able to do much of that, like going Traveling. abroad to different places. Yeah. But maybe I, I'm really looking forward to Hopefully we can get to uh, go to Rotterdam next year and we'll d- be doing lots with that. I mean, probably the people who are with us who aren't on the podcast will be so bored of us because we'll be, we'll be doing it all the time, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Fingers crossed that can happen. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I look forward to hearing more about what your plans are for next year. So again, if you want to listen to more of Martin and Laura, you can listen to their podcast, Null Poir. And if you want to hear even more from Laura and from me, <laughs> you can listen to us on the Adventure Games podcast. Yes, apologies. Uh, <laughs> so a, a lot of the three of us to go around. You can, yes. <laughs> And a lot of Laura too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That sounded very bad. Sorry. It did a bit. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably end it right there. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys, for joining me. And uh, I look forward to hearing more from your Nulpoir podcast. And... Um, and we will keep in touch, Dan. So thank you for having very us. Very best of luck. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. Thanks, Shusha. So that was my conversation with Laura and Martin. Thank you so much to Laura and Martin for joining me. I had a great time speaking uh, to the two of you. And as I mentioned at the top of the episode, if you wanted to hear more from Laura Cress, you can uh, listen to us on the Adventure Games podcast. I also recommend that you listen to her and Martin on their Eurovision podcast. It really is a lot of fun. Um, they really, really enjoy the Eurovision and they have great chemistry together, as I mentioned in our conversation. So you can listen to that on the uh, links in the show notes. Uh, if you want to help this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, you can do so in a number of ways for free. Uh, you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Shorter Speaks with, and you can rate and review there in a number of different places with instructions at that link as well. The link will be in the show notes. If you wanted to become a guest on this podcast and appear on this podcast to talk about any topic that you enjoy talking about, you can contact me at shorterspeakswith.com forward slash be my guest. 
Um, and uh, so thank you as, as always for listening. And next week, I am joined by another good friend of mine, Antonio Apostolico, as he talks to me about astronomy as if I were a small child, since I don't know anything about astronomy. So until then, take care, everyone. Goodbye.